You're listening to the Fanboy Garage Podcast. Welcome to the Fanboy Garage. I'm Chris Lasanti, joined by my co-host Aaron Varola. Yo, yo, what's up, folks? Welcome to the epic episode 150 of the Fanboy Garage. We are very, very happy to have you guys back with us for another week. Not just because we have another episode for you guys, but because we have a very, very special guest. We have Sean from the Sean Geek and Fast Fred Podcast on with us today. Sean, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing awesome. How are you guys doing? Good. 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 Thanks so much, man, for joining us today. Um, we are going to get into a whole host of topics. I know we tease this uh, on social media, but uh, we're going to give you guys that all-out spoiler review or sort of impressions of Venom. Sean got to check it out. He did his homework. He saw it. We can't wait to hear what he thought about it. We'll also talk a little bit about how it's been doing in the box office. Bond No Time to Die also dropped this weekend and has had a – we'll see how it how it does kind of weekend – um, the finale for What If dropped, and I was also at New York Comic Con, where we had a whole bunch of surprising bits of news that trickled out. Hayden Christensen was there, <laughs> and apparently he was on on site to uh, to light up Empire State Building, the Empire State Building red. So, did not know that until today. <laughs> <laughs> but apparently that happened on Friday and I didn't see it. So uh, pretty bummed out about that, I guess. And and the quote from New York Comic Con was, who has the high ground now? Wow. Uh, so anyways, let's start with the box office. Sure. So there were two big stories at the box office this weekend. One was the domestic debut of Bond. And the second was the second week performance of Venom, Let There Be Carnage. So. Bond was number one this week, No Time to Die, not a surprise, um, but the numbers are very interesting, right? So the initial projections on Thursday for the weekend had the movie doing between 55 and 65 million, but then somewhere like late Thursday, early Friday, some of those projections got a little bit more bullish, and some mm. people were projecting upwards of like 85 million plus, because mm. Shang-Chi and Venom have both outperformed those initial projections. So the assumption was, well, maybe that's a thing now. Right. Well, this movie did 56 million in its domestic debut, so it's right there on the lower end of the projections from Thursday for the weekend. And um it's not a it's not great, it's not bad. It's well below the opening weekends of the last three Bond movies domestically. Um mm. but that's not the whole story for this movie. Internationally it's already taken in over $257 million. So right yeah. now it's already over $313 million worldwide. And it still hasn't opened in China. That's on October 29th. And it still has a couple of other markets. It's setting like box office records in the UK. Um, so it, it's an interesting thing, you know, with Venom. One of the things we, uh, with uh, Bond, one of the things we talked about on the last show was how right now here in in the United States in particular, the like older audiences have been slower to go back to the theaters and and women in particular and bond 
certainly draws from an older audience than right. a movie like Venom, right? And mm -hmm. the numbers really show that because looking at boxoffice.com, I mean, they had some of the demo breakdowns and 30, 57% of the opening week Bond audience uh, here in, in North America was over the age of 35. Mm. And 35 or 36% actually was over the age of 45. So that is those are that is an older skewing audience for big you know box office films and that probably explains why 25% of moviegoers were returning to the box office for the first time seeing this movie. Wow. Yeah. So mm. I think that shows you why probably the numbers were down if you want to consider them down for this movie. That also with the fact that it's a 2-hour and 45-minute movie. Yeah. So you're long. talking about a movie that's an hour and 10 minutes longer than Venom, which means less showings per day, right? Mm -hmm. So you're going to be able to pack less people in. I mean, I know for me, I went to see it on Friday morning and there were very few people in the theater. It was actually the strangest theater experience as far as the audience that I've had because very few people were there and right. everybody was there by themselves. It's the first time that's oh, ever happened to me. So it's like a bunch of bunch of dudes going like No, hey, there I'm was some around. women there too by themselves, but like okay. it was it was and most of the people were quote older. unquote older, right? They yeah. were like around my age, some even older. I'm not no exaggeration. There were a couple of people that came in on walkers. You know, oh, like it, it was an older crowd. <laughs> yeah, it was definitely different than certainly Venom and the Shang-Chi experiences yeah. that I had. Yeah. So this is the movie that's breaking out that older demographic. It is, and but it's not bringing in the younger demographic, the younger which people, makes yeah. sense. And that's where that balance is why a Venom does 90 million. That right. plus, I think, the short length of time. You know, the other thing, too, is if you're someone that's cautious about going to the theater and worried about maybe sitting in an environment that you're not going to want to go in the evening. Well, not only that, but like an hour and 35 minute movie is like that's not much of an investment. Yeah. Two yeah, hour and 45 hour, minute yeah. movie. You know, you're talking about sitting there for, you know, three hours or whatever. And I mean, that's that's a that's time. <laughs> I mean, you take that you take that experience and you uh, you put it the way that, that the, the kind of experience I had with Venom. I, I I would I'd be like hives breaking out yeah. my hives with the amount you know what I mean with the amount of people that I was experiencing in Venom. Yeah, it's also in. It, but when you look at the international numbers, where these demographic breakdowns have not held up, right? It's just mm -hmm. been people kind of just going. The numbers surge, right? Right. So there's going to be a tremendous disparity between the domestic box office and the international box office for this movie. I mean, Bond usually is what? heavy overseas. Chris, what's the ages uh, overseas? Like, or are we seeing a, a similar breakdown? They don't really do breakdowns for those markets, uh, I guess, because they just they don't have the market research. But I mean, I would say based on the numbers, like the UK is it's already over anybody that's going to see. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, the UK is many, already over like seventy million, trailer. right? So for the UK to be doing box office, it's it's already it's outperforming um, Spectre. And even in some markets, Skyfall overseas. Wow. Right? At least yeah. early on. So I think that just probably tells you that there there aren't a lot of whatever the demos are there, it there are not a lot of people that are not going out to see this. I think the people overseas who wanted to go see it are going to see it. Whereas I think here it's a little different, right? It's just yeah. right now skewing on the uh, the demos. But on that while we're on that, let's talk about Venom, right? In its second weekend. Yeah, uh, having quite quite a weekend. Well, Venom, 
so it did thirty-two oh, million. I mean, it, it did drop substantially. It did. But... It it did thirty-two million. Um, oh, and keep in mind, by the way, that fifty-six million for Bond. There are people who do believe some box office like analysts who do believe that the number could actually come in lower because oh. they feel like the studio is projecting about a twenty percent drop on Sunday, which they think might be a little generous. So we'll have to keep an eye on that. What the actual final number is tomorrow? But the domestic, even even though that it's a, it's a long weekend for some. Well, for some, and that that'll be who knows, right? We don't know how right. that's going to play out. But um, so Venom did thirty two million in its second mm-hmm. weekend, uh, and that's again that's an estimated number because it was they they estimated it at exactly thirty two million. So it could be a little higher, it could be a little lower when the number comes in on Monday. But that's a sixty four point four percent drop. Yeah, uh, which is steep. I know that there were actually some projections that thought that this one might drop upwards of seventy five percent. So I guess it's not that bad. The first Venom movie dropped fifty six percent in its second weekend. Yeah, and uh, well, what was Venom one going against on their second weekend? Was it going against tentpole like Bond? Or not at just... all. Yeah, and that's a great point, right. and that's one there of the big reasons. So that's that's and you know the thing with Bond is it's not not only was it going up against a movie that you know did well, right? Fifty six million. Bond took a lot of the premium format screens away from Venom, right? So your IMAX, your your RPX, right. and stuff like that. So that's you know that shift in dollar amounts could also you know be your partially responsible for some of that too um you know why it didn't have a drop but the uh yeah, that, that that data isn't reflected on box office mojo what's that the, the drop in theaters no it's not so much a drop in theaters it's it's the drop in format no, so like a theater right, might have shifted right. uh, you you could shift it from like an imax screen to a regular screen so right. it's really not a loss right. of theater or screen You're losing the percentage it's it's, the, it's the three or four dollars less exactly right yeah right so that's where that comes in but if you look um some of the other things about venom um it's at 141.7 million domestic right now. The overseas numbers for Venom are still trickling in because, like we talked about last week, it's it's having a very staggered rollout. Um, it, it's at I think right now 80 185.6 if you count the international markets. It still hasn't opened in Korea, Italy, the UK, and Spain, France, Germany, Australia. It doesn't open in it doesn't open in Australia till November 25th, doesn't open in Japan till December 3rd. Still doesn't have a release date in China yet where like we said, it China was an enormous market for the first Venom movie. It did like 260 million dollars in China alone. So, you know, we'll see what the the story is yet um, for Venom. Are both these are both these films actually going to open in China? Yeah. Like, is that a for sure? Bond is set October 29th. It's locked in. Um, Venom, they don't have a date yet. It was supposed to open September 14th. And then when they shifted the release date um, here, domestic, they got <clears throat> screwed up. Uh, it They've been marketing the movie heavily in China. So I think they just need to lock in a date. Part of the problem is that Dune opens there. October 22nd and then Bond right. is opening October 29th so I think they're just trying to figure out the window of time That's the best window yeah yeah and then you know because China also has periods where they freeze out like international films too so like it's kind of hard sometimes to fit it in but I, I can't imagine that it 
it's not going to release there. Cause I know like they had, I saw like pictures of displays where they had like big statues that they put in their movie theaters of venom and carnage and stuff over there. Wow. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, so we'll see, but I mean, look, I don't think that that's a bad drop, you know, for, mm. you know, when you consider the fact that it was opening against bond, uh, it lost its premium formats and, you know, I mean, Again, the movie, this franchise has already been far more successful than I think anybody could have ever thought. Mm. Um, you know, we'll see. I mean, there's a whole bunch of movies coming out. I mean, I know Halloween, I don't expect that to be big competition, especially no. with the day and date release on Peacock. You know, that comes out next week. And then you have Dune after that, which also has a day and date release. So there's a chance that both of these movies, both Bond and Venom, could have some legs here you know, for the next couple of weeks, and we'll see where where it falls out. Also of note in the box office, Shang-Chi is now over $400 million, yeah. uh worldwide, and, of course, it's $212 million domestic, so that continues to uh, to roll on as well. Yeah. So. so, Sean, you saw it. Yeah. It's fresh. <laughs> it's very fresh. What did you think? And now we can kind of like blow the lid off of. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Spoilers. Yeah. So give us your thoughts, man. I was really let down. <laughs> I'll be honest. <laughs> I saw the first Venom uh, last week. Okay. I did not want to see it. I was not interested. I didn't. I wasn't. I wasn't crazy about the direction. Let's do a Venom without Spider-Man. It just. It all felt weird. And when it came out, I'm like, no. I'm good. I'll, I'll, I'll wait. Um, and then when I heard I was, we were going to do this, I'm like, you know, I'm going to go watch that first film because I should. And I actually really enjoyed the first one. So that was the uh, first was time you've seen it. Yeah. Wow. Cool. Okay. I mean, I see every, I see every comic book film that comes out. That's, that's, you know, that's what I line up for at the theaters mm-hmm. all the time. And I actually passed on that one. Wow. So that was like the first comic film that I passed on to go see. Interesting. You know, so so I saw it, and I actually was better than I thought. So that I was actually hyped to see Venom two, and I was just really underwhelmed. Mm. It didn't build on the first one, really. It just, it's like I don't know. I didn't feel like it really went anywhere. Yeah, it's, yeah it's, it's, really that, your down. perspective is is super interesting because it's like the first one is so fresh, and you yeah. you were probably feeling really good about that first film. Oh yeah, and then go in there and like, okay, like let's see where they're gonna go with it next. And you're like, man, <laughs> yeah, I, I, frankly, I said on the last podcast, and the theater I was so was bored. full too. Oh boy, like the okay. theater was full on on a second weekend, which is kind of impressive. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, wow, all these people here, and everyone was talking. Everyone was like, uh, there was little groups like, oh, what do you think they're gonna do? What do you think the ending's gonna be? Like, what's the mm-hmm. post credit? Like, everyone was talking, and I was like, wow, this is really good. And then the theater kind of went quiet through the movie and like no one was getting excited. Yeah. No one was really. And then when everyone was leaving, everyone was really disappointed. Like people were going, wow, we should have went to see bond instead or something like, you know, everyone, like I was, I was eavesdropping on conversations and no one was into it. Yeah. Yeah. I think we had similar experiences in the theaters, except for one thing, like in my theater, again, nobody reacted just like yours. Like it was quite a couple of chuckles maybe, but like, that was it. No reaction. But the the post credit scene, which of course we can now actually talk about, right? Unlike last yeah. week where we had to dance around it, where like the minute that 
you hear J.J. Abrams, J.J. Uh, Abrams, J. Jonah oh, J. Wow, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the minute you hear J.J. Abrams start talking about the last uh, uh, Revenge of Return of Skywalker, whatever the hell Freddy that movie slip. was called. Yeah. No, the minute you hear J. Jonah Jameson uh, speak, like the theater started to like perk up. And then when they show Tom Holland on the screen, like there were gasps and like people were like, yeah, let's do this. Come on. Like, that was the most excited anybody was, and that's all people were talking about when they were leaving the theater, but, like, I almost feel like they could have just showed that scene, Mm -hmm. and that would have been cool, because I don't think anybody cared about anything that happened up to that point. Yeah. It's a disposable movie. Like I said, utterly bored, And, and I think the thing that got me excited about the film... And this is why I said when we heard about the leak related to the post credit scene, like I, I'm off the off the bat, I'm like, the studio leaked that on purpose. Oh, that's so that was so staged. I, I feel like Obviously. that was the thing that to get people like, Oh my god, they're finally gonna bring, you know, Spider Man and Venom together and that, you know, I think I think they know that it's it's a lame duck movie. Um and that it's gonna let people down and and uh I don't know if the word of mouth has necessarily been good post that film. Like people coming out going like, oh my God, it's so good. You so, you need to totally see Venom. Unless you absolutely adored um, some of the choices made there. Because, yeah, it, I mean, they're so shallow. All of the characters with the exception of Eddie Brock, but even Eddie Brock to an extent is, is shallow. Um, you know, you're not, you're not really, you're not really coming away with like, oh, I can't wait for the next one. You know what I mean? Like, that's just not a that's not a thing and and carnage is quickly disposed of yes in that film after not being and built up not at all that is anything no oh, no not at all even the ten, the tension between him and cletus is is like ridiculous yes we, we talked about it last week but like naomi harris's character is Ugh. a total waste awful a awful. total yeah. waste and yeah. that's they unfortunate don't explain she's, shit she's about amazing her. yes she's she an is. amazing amazing she's but and what are you, and you're doing this? That's what I said yeah, on the last like, episode. It was like I had just finished uh, oh, yeah. watching her in Bond, doing my Bond, you know, Daniel Craig Bond rewatch, and she's great. And now here, I I I couldn't dislike that character like any more than I did. Like she was annoying. Yeah. 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 But the whole cast, I mean, it's an amazing cast considering what they're doing. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's the amazing thing about this movie. Um, but yeah, do you, I, do you, I, I got a question for you guys. Cause this is kind of, this was kind of bugging me cause it, it kind of felt like the studio says, okay, we got to have carnage in it. Mm-hmm. We've decided that we've got to have, uh, uh, you know, the character with, with a screaming power. Cause that, that, that creates, uh, you know, uh, it creates this tension in the film. And then we have to have, um, Eddie and Venom splitting, uh, like breaking up go make a movie. It's like, it seems like it wasn't organic the way they put the story together. They just grabbed, we have to have A, B, C, D, and E, throw that in the movie and then release it. Oh, and I don't know. It just, man, it just failed. That's exactly what it felt like. And I couldn't say this last week, but I, obviously I can say it now. Yeah. I believe that that entire, the, the, um, that entire character, like the Francis character, Shriek, whatever the character's name is, um, like the entire reason for her being in the movie was b- 
because her power is that she makes that sonic scream thing, which of course can neutralize yeah. carnage, venom, whatever. Like, and I, I mean, I know the history and the backstory and the comics and all that stuff, but yeah, like I, I do, I agree. I feel like a lot of this was forced. It was like, we're just, we're just basically, we've given up on actually trying to tell like a story and we're just hitting like bullet points. Um, yeah. you know, and, and I think the biggest example of that is, is, you know, something that we mentioned last time, which is one of my big pet peeves is that I don't, I hate it when, when there's a big motivation or a big plot item that you just tell me about and you don't show me it. And like, that's what happens here. Like this, the entire relationship between Eddie and Cletus is based on the fact that we're supposed to just understand that a lot of things happened between that mid credit scene in the first movie and the beginning of this movie. Mm-hmm. And like, there's a yep. movie there like that could have probably been like a half hour at the beginning of this movie, you know, and that would have flushed things out maybe a little bit more and, and would have added a little bit more depth to this. And, and mm. I mean, there were still things that are wrong, like, you know, just like Woody Harrelson characterizations and stuff that I still would have had issues with and all of that. But like, yeah, like I, I just, I, I really wonder how much of this movie, like, did they really plan on making this like an hour and 35 minute long movie? Or did they make a movie and be like, what the hell do we have here? Yeah, we we need to cut this down and there's nothing really much for us to work with. So let's yeah. just piece it together. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, maybe it, there it, was yeah, that whole relationship. Like maybe they did build the relationship in the original script and then they're like, okay, well, we got to cut it out now. Like maybe, you yeah. know, maybe that's... That's why it's disjointed because you can't edit something that's been written a particular way and then take out characters or take out, you know, it just doesn't really work. No, I feel like this movie really was like a throwback to like a different time in comic book movies when studios didn't really care. So not a good thing. You know what I mean? Like when it was just <laughs> like, like. That's not a good way to start that. No, like <laughs> let's, so right. let's hit certain points like oh let's throw this character in there because they were in a comic and let's throw this scene in there because this happened in the comic and you know okay we're gonna tease another villain for the next movie spider-man 3 well yeah like we're gonna tease all over again yeah it kind of except (laughs) except not only in the sense of like this movie accomplishes far less than that movie like spider-man 3's problem was that there was too (laughs) much going on in the movie Right. The problem with this movie is not enough goes on. It's Sony's treatment of these characters. Yeah. It's they do not like Venom. The first Venom was a fluke, you know, and I think that the way that they've handled Spider-Man in general has has been kind of poor when they get to the back back into the film. Like they're like, oh, it feels really good. Like we're winning. And then all of a sudden they start to muck it up a bit. Um. It's funny, Ryan Airy uh, of Screen Crush. He he, and it's funny. So Sean, you mentioned this about some of those those plot elements that they just kind of like, oh yeah, we have this that, and we'll throw it all together. He made yeah. a very very interesting point that I was like, wow, that's so. I didn't even think about it that way. Was that it follows similar beats to Spider Man Two, Sam Raimi's Spider Man Two, whereas like you've got the character, he's established, and then he doesn't want to do it anymore, so they strip it away, and then there's this, like, they got to go off on their own, and he's got to figure out who he is without the sp- the powers, you know, anymore. Oh, yeah. 
and and uh, and then there's the love interest thing that that ends up falling for somebody else. Like he, dude, he called out so many plot points that are reminiscent to Spider-Man Two, like the fact that uh, the main villain starts off as like a sort sort of friend, but then ends up turning against the he- the quote unquote hero of the story. And I'm like, dude, it, I would not be surprised if there is that Spider-Man Two blueprint flight flying around, and they're like, we're gonna we're gonna match yeah. Venom to that. And you know what? That would have been fine if this movie was as good as Spider-Man Two. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. Like if if this movie had characters that were developed as well as the characters were developed in that movie, yeah. and you know they actually took time to like give us a villain that had like a that had anything behind him right and and was a character that you could get behind and or at least be invested in and like all of like it's such a truncated version that i i I almost feel like the studio was basically like reading through like the feedback that fans Mm. had to the first movie and were like okay so people liked the action they liked the Venom stuff, you know, that whole right. relationship within, between Eddie and Venom and and just the, you know, the Venom action. And they didn't really like the melodrama and the relationship stuff. And the yeah, villain was not, not great. And, and they didn't really like that there was no big villain like at the end to fight and and that uh you know and it was a little too long and blah, blah, blah. So so on and so so they went through all these things and basically, okay, so we're gonna remove all of that. And we're just gonna mm. give you Eddie and Venom, and then we're going to give you a what we think is a badass villain, although I'll debate that, at least in the portrayal <laughs> anyway. Carnage is a badass villain, but the Cletus yeah, part I mean, was, that's, was that's, not much. No, and then we're no. going to give you a big, cool fight, monster fight at the end. You know, it. it's just, and then that's what they gave us. And yeah. and yeah, I mean, look, people seem to have liked it for the most part. I, I like I said, I I think this is more disposable than anything. I I think this is a movie that probably over time people will start to think less and less about. And yeah. I, I do believe that that post credit scene played a very big plays a very big role in how people feel when they're leaving the theater, yeah. and why some of that word of mouth was so exciting. Because I think now people are already past this movie. And I don't see anybody talking about Venom 3 and the fact that they basically teased what's probably going to be the villain for Venom 3 in this movie. Like, nobody's talking about that. They're all talking about... Well, well, because it comes out of nowhere. Right. But they're they're also talking about, oh, is Venom going to be in the MCU? Is Venom going to be in No No Way Home? I've seen more videos about speculating about how Venom plays a role in Spider-Man than anything related to Venom. Right. right. Do you think Feige would allow that though? Man, um, like... I th- I think he's in enough control that I think if it starts to end, once he enters, it's it'll. I think it's going to be slightly different. It, who who knows the way that they're going to set it up? Like, obviously, there's two ways. He could be a, still stay on the the antihero sort of the antihero. Not I'm sorry, not antihero. Yeah. Yeah. Anti-hero. anti-hero. Yeah. Yeah. Anti-hero. Yeah. Anti-hero. Yeah. Yeah. Like, why did I just? Second guess myself, or he becomes a venom. He becomes a villain, which I think could be problematic because there's way there's way too much stuff already happening. Mm-hmm. Potentially, that could potentially happen, right? So it'd be interesting if they align Spider-Man and Venom together in No Way Home, 
in a, in, in, a, in an interesting like I don't know how they're gonna do that, but like that's an interesting way of going about it, which still keeps things separate and then allows them to release allows Marvel to release Tom Holland if they need to, like to back to Sony, if that's a thing. But I you know who the hell knows, man, because they've been cutting some side deals and behind the door things, and who, I don't know the detail the full details of what that Sony Marvel deal is, but I remember. Uh, I think it was Homecoming when they were doing a press junket. Amy Pascal like dropped like she's like, oh yeah, Venom will be crossing over into the oh, multiverse, yeah. right? And Feige's face was like, duh, 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 duh. like where's the snipers? Where's the snipers? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I would like to think that, considering how planned out Feige and like Marvel Studios are, that they would not have allowed that scene to happen in this movie, knowing that people were going to be talking about it, if there wasn't some type of payoff at some point. Sure. Whatever that may be, even if it's a cameo, even if it's something that happens at the end, you know, whatever the case may be, I I don't know, but I, I would imagine, and it's also the timing of it too, right? So it's like, it's coming out now and you got the Spider-Man movies coming out you know, the same year. And it's like, it, it just seems to be just too much coincidence for it to have just been, right. I know they're trying to say, well, uh, Marvel studios didn't have any involvement in us writing or shooting that scene. And it was all us really. So you just said, yeah, you know, let's take a shot and yeah. let's throw this scene in there that happens to connect to things that are going on in the, the MCU. MCU. And yeah. uh, maybe they'll use it. And maybe they won't like, really? Like we're supposed to believe that that happened. Yeah. Well, correct me. Correct me if I'm wrong, but that end sequence—it just looks like it was just lifted from one of the other films. Like there was nothing new shot. It's nothing. Like there's nothing new there. It was just. Oh, like know, the Parker. The news. The news feed. Yeah. Like. It, yeah. It, it's not revealing anything new. It's just he's watching TV and and he's watching Spider-Man too. Well, really. The only. You know, like there's there's nothing really new there. It's just oh, he's aware of Spider-Man now. Like that's that's about it. Well, the thing that's new though is that that's important is the fact that um, we see that basically like like he's about to tell him about all of these like things that he's learned about these different multiverses like over all these years or whatever but then before he starts to reveal some of his secrets that he didn't think Eddie was ready to to hear yet like the whole room goes through like this flip yeah. and warp and stuff and then all of a sudden they're like in somebody else's room in like a different time and and that's when they see the TV because the TV before that was on um like a novella right like a telenovela Yeah it was a telenovela yeah. and they did, oh, yeah, they did right. it, like they focused on that like there's like like the first 20 seconds of that scene is like the novella and I was like why are we watching this right <laughs> Yeah now? <laughs> Yeah so like, that would be new because I think that's supposed to essentially I think anyway that that's happening as Doctor Strange is doing whatever he does mm-hmm. that winds up creating this whole multiverse issue in No Way Home, yeah. right? Whatever that's going to be, uh, I would imagine that that's probably what we were what we were actually witnessing. Um, so I think that part would be new, but yeah, the footage is basically just because he's essentially, I guess, supposed to be watching the same broadcast that we were watching at the end of. Far yeah. from home, man. Putting all those homes in these titles makes it like it's it sucks so when you have to stop it's to like think about what the name of the movie is. Yeah, because <laughs> I, I I keep wanting to say like No Way Home because I've just been so conditioned to say No Way Home now that I almost called Far from Home No Way Home. 
I also wonder if the scene, if the scene with Doctor Strange and and Peter Parker where they're doing the spell, if he if he's already taking him out of the MCU. I yeah, I have no uh, idea. You know what I mean? So like we're we're thinking that he's still in the MCU world. Oh, I what see if what he just mean. took them all out and put them and they're in some other universe? So you're thinking that Oh man. It's possible that his way of making it so that people don't know that he's Peter Parker is by actually he winds up maybe this wasn't the intention but like he winds up throwing him out of the MCU and out into of, like the uh, Sony yeah. universe and yep. universes and that's how he winds up interacting so it's that's really great. the opposite of what most people assume that the Green Goblin and Dr. Octopus and, and whomever else are going to be coming into the MCU but you actually think it's going to go the other direction well yeah who who knows if that's how it if that's how it is and like this is the whole reason why he... I'm, dude, totally speculating. That would make here, sense, like, though, based on the title No Way Home. Oh, wow. yeah, right. And then and then he gets some sort of, like, mystic suit, and maybe that's his way of get trying to get himself home, but then he has to go through a couple of other layers, so that's the way he interacts with some of the other villains is because right. he's entering some of those ways. And it would also... universes. It would also explain why and, he would need help oh, from non-Avengers... Right. And non MCU. Cause like the thing, theory is like, well, why would he need help from maybe, you know, a Tobey Maguire Spider Man if that's really happening or an Andrew Garfield right. Spider or maybe a Venom? Like, why would he need that if he's got like his Avengers, you know, are in the MCU? It would explain right. that, right? He needs allies if he's sent to the other universe and it's right. not going to be Captain America. Well, it wouldn't be Captain America. It's not going to be Dr. Strange and you know, whomever, right. Uh, Captain Marvel, whatever the case may be. So right. it's gotta be something. So it's the, op- it's the opposite of, it's the opposite of, of the speculation right that there. and, and the opposite of something we've already seen with, uh, into the spider verse, right. Where all the spider, spider man get brought to miles. Right. It's the, it's the flip of that. Miles gets brought to all the other, Spider-Man, or in this case, Peter Parker gets brought to the other Peter Parkers. Right. That's interesting. So is Tom Holland going to get brought to into the Spider-Verse Spider-Man? Yo, I have said that from the beginning. I was like, I would love to see if that if that became a thing. And because it's, you know, ultimately it's an animation film. But but like. They did that with with uh, Spider-Ham. Right, so like Spider Ham is totally different. I mean, he's still an animated character, but like, you know what I'm saying? He's Looney Tunes type. Yeah. Thing. I don't know. I would love to see. I would love for that to happen. That would be. I'd still be on the hook for that. It's like a reverse Roger Rabbit. Yeah. Where everyone's animated, but Tom Holland. <laughs> That'd be amazing. <laughs> yeah. That would be so so cool. Yeah, I, I don't. You know, I don't. I don't know. Um, because the other thing too there. Like Doctor Strange, I think he's an he's a Nexus being. Like Wanda's a Nexus being, so it's like the same. Is he a Nexus being? I think Doctor Strange is. No. No, maybe he is. I don't remember. Anyways, um, I'd love to see that to see him being the one that's kind of trying to get him back. You know, he's essentially the uh, the the boat, the rower, the you know what I'm talking about when you cross over. Yeah, yeah. Um, from the reality realm to death there's like you get on the boat sharon sharon the boatman yeah yeah ferryman to the other to the uh to the river the ferryman that's right the there it is yeah yes 
I would love to see if that if that happens. Okay, well, hang on now. I, I got a further theory to that now because you really got my head spinning. But what if the whole thing when he was fighting Mysterio and Mysterio actually has access to, to the other side and when his identity is revealed, it's not revealed in the MCU. He actually shifted to uh, oh, a reality where J. Jonah Jameson is actually there and knows Spider-Man. And he's actually shunted. He's actually already in this other dimension. And the reason that Doctor Strange is so off in the trailer, it's not our Doctor Strange. Mm-hmm. It's the Doctor Strange to where Mysterio shifted him to. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. Hmm. I don't know. There's so many ways it could go. There, are, there, are, there, yeah. re- there really are. I, you know, and the funny thing too, I, I've heard so many people talk about the the Doctor Strange thing. I, I'm, I'm, I think that we're getting a cut version of the trailer. So when Wong says, don't cast that spell. Yeah. I, I don't know if it's in specific relation to the spell that he casts, casts for Peter. Sure. I think, I think people are just, I think it's cut long or cut specifically to kind of yeah. omit some other stuff. I mean, us off. Marvel doesn't yeah. usually give you like, most no. people don't either. Like these linear trailers where it's like, cause it, I mean that you get a lot of that in the trailer, so it would be weird if that's actually the way everything does play out. Yeah, like it's it can't be that. And it could be a totally different cut. Yeah, like you don't you don't know. I mean, anyone see Rogue One's trailers? (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) you know what I mean. Yeah, Yeah. I mean the mystery is what they're using. I'm fascinated to see how how it uh, how it plays out, and it's coming it's coming soon. coming a lot sooner than i think than um, i'd like to think because sure shit it's already middle of october yeah i mean the the crazy thing is like the one thing i will say about this venom movie is that i find myself talking about the post-credit scene from venom and what may happen in spider-man and like eternals is still happening (laughs) like eternals is right there in the middle and it's like with the exception of the trailers that I keep seeing when I go to the movies, I keep forgetting about that movie. They're, they're, but I'll tell you, yeah. though, they're starting to crank that marketing machine up. Oh, of course. Because yeah. they've been dropping, uh, you know, TV spots, stuff like that. Sure. Um, I saw a scene of, uh, and it was dope the way it was shot. It's like the, the fat, I don't even know the character's name. Maybe it's Icarus. Something like that. Um, the, the main character? Yeah, Icarus. The, the, yeah. yeah, Icarus. There's so his suit first of all looks looks amazing, and then there's one where the I forgot the character's name the one that runs super fast. Um, they did uh, like it was like a front view Astos or something I think something like that yeah where they sh- they show her running at like full speed and it's it's bonkers the way that it's visualized. I don't think if we've ever seen anything like that because we always see it from the back where someone's running super fast and they're showing yep. us how it looks from the front with a fisheye lens. It looks it looks crazy. It looks crazy. I like I said before a couple of episodes. I need that show. I need that movie to perform really well. Okay. Yeah, you have a vested interest. Macari or Macari as the uh, the 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 deaf. Yeah, the deaf uh, actress um, that was in The Walking Dead. Um, I yeah, I need that to. I need that movie to do really well, (laughs) so I can flip my comic book. (laughs) 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 So I can flip Eternals number one. Yeah, I, I picked up a, a trade Eternals uh, a few years ago, 
um, yeah, and I'm hoping that goes up in value as well. It's up. It's up there now. It's it's getting there. It's getting there from from Comic Con. You know, so keeping my eye on some books that I have. I'll tell you what though, Ultimate Fallout number four, first appearance of uh, Miles Morales. Yep. Oh, I'm so good. I'm so glad I bought that book, like, right before Into the Spider Verse happened. I paid forty dollars for this book, man. Yeah. Forty dollars for a book for that book. A nine six was going for twenty three hundred dollars. Oh my god. Holy god. <laughs> great, great, great. Yeah, nine six is going for twenty three hundred dollars. I have a nine four, but it's and it's signed by by uh, Mark Bagley. Wow. Um, oh wow. Yeah. So. <sighs> Sitting pretty on that baby. Sweet. All right. Dinner's on Aaron next week. <laughs> I didn't sell it yet. Oh, sorry. Well, no, you no, better no, hurry no. up. Aaron's going to fly me to you guys. There you go. Yeah. Because you, you, you go. got, I mean, eventually he will be brought into a live action universe. I can't imagine it's not going to happen, right? It makes yeah. all the sense in the world for the Miles Morales character. Oh, I mean, dude. For a gazillion different reasons to eventually be brought into. <laughs> a live action universe, whose ever it is, right? Yeah. Uh, whether it's Sony's or Marvel's or whatever, but um And yeah. again, we don't we don't know any of the deals that, that are behind closed doors between Marvel and Sony. You know right. what I mean? Like Yeah. They may have made a trade. Who knows? Hey, we're gonna let go ahead. You guys wanna go take Sinister Six, do all that jazz and shit? Go for it. Yeah, can you know have this one can we have this one guy? I'll tell you what, <laughs> if I was at Marvel Okay. First of all, I'd be rich. But if I was Marvel, I would absolutely do that. I would be like, listen, we'll give you Tom Holland, right? And this Spider-Man that we built for you. Yeah. And you can take him. your first billion dollars in the box office. Yeah. You can take him Mm -hmm. and do your Sinister Six thing. Do whatever you want with him and Venom. Go crazy with it. Enjoy. Build around all this. Your Morbius and all this stuff. And just let us use Miles Morales for like three movies yeah, or two movies and a whatever, because that makes all the sense in the world because mm-hmm. Miles Morales Spider-Man would do, would be so amazing, no pun intended, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah. And it would be a breath of fresh air and Sony could, you know, I think the Tom Holland Spider-Man, as much as I love him, he's... They've gotten mileage out of him, right? He's they got three, you know, single movies and all the Avengers movies and all that stuff. So it's like they've gotten enough out of that character where mm-hmm. I don't know how much more you want to go with it anyway. So I would absolutely do that. The only problem is it, it's really not something you can trade, right? Because technically Sony does yeah. own that that version of the character anyway, right? Yeah. So I don't even think yeah. it's a matter of like it's just a matter of would you know Marvel wouldn't be producing the movies for them. So it's really not much of a thing. But yeah, I mean, if that was something that was ever on the table, yeah, um, yeah I would do that in a heartbeat because I but, think... But how... Hmm? Like, like, there's also the thing going on with the lawsuit with uh, Steve Ditko's estate. Yeah, that's another thing. Uh, yeah, Like, this... I mean, I don't think it's going to go that way, but if it goes to the Ditko estate, like all the Marvel character, all the Marvel characters that he created go to his estate, mm-hmm. and they they could broker a new deal with Marvel and Marvel just has to make an agreement with Ditko's estate as opposed to Sony. Right. And might be a back door for them getting everything back. It could be. I mean, I, I still think that that whole suit is going to go the way of the 
the Superman Siegel thing. Sh- with, yeah, Siegel where, Schuster. Yeah, the Siegel Schuster deal like, yeah. with that yeah. whole thing. And I mean, look, people will get compensated uh, one way or another. But uh, yeah, I, I don't. I mean, at the it. end of the day, it's Disney. Disney, and they're printing their own money. Yes. You know. Yeah. I think they're one of the top, most valued, hundred most valued brands of the in the world right now. Well, because look at what they have. I mean, they have, they have Lucasfilm and everything that comes with that. They have Marvel, right, mm-hmm. and everything that comes with that. They yeah, their own brand, you know, their own media company. Yeah, they have all. I mean, it's just, and they have you know ABC and ESPN, and I yeah. mean, it's just it's such yeah. a far and reaching theme parks. Theme, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm and surprised they they're they keep on. I'm surprised they're not like better than top one hundred. I mean, they're you they're know, like, like a top, top ten. I mean, they were competing against like the, the likes of Google and Microsoft and Amazon sure. and stuff like that. You know, it's if for the for the media category, they're pre, they're they're like the biggest fish. Yeah, that makes sense. In entertainment, um, but then but then you're you're stacking media and entertainment against like social networks like right. Instagram, LinkedIn, and all that stuff. Um, which again, they're those are huge companies. Yeah. Um, but but Disney, Disney and they're big... easily identifiable because everybody's yeah. on them, and you just they're always in your face right. too, like every five seconds. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So, um, I let's quickly we'll just say to people that we we're gonna probably do like a review review of Bond maybe next episode. Um. I actually saw Bond this weekend, and um, you know, I I actually kind of still needed a little bit more time to sit with this movie. So I'm kind of glad we're not doing like a deep review this episode because uh, while just ge- in general, I I enjoyed the film. I mm. would say that, and I liked it. But there is one aspect of this movie that I absolutely did not like. And I'm and I'm trying hard not to let that detract from Become your anger. my overall not even so much anger, just let it detract from my overall feelings on the movie, which mm. for the most part I enjoyed. Um, so I I'm just kind of wrestling with it a little bit and just trying to figure out. But the, as time goes on, like I'm I'm able to kind of get past some of that because it is what it is i mean right it's nothing i could i can't do anything about it i can't change it it's just um it's just the the one thing that i thought was that i that was not right about the movie um mm. but overall i enjoyed it and i i feel like it's it's a nice uh you know nice final effort Say that mm. I know you, you two haven't seen it, so I don't want to say anything yeah, more. And, and that's, but I, yeah, I, can, I absolutely cannot be spoiled about it. But your yeah. your comment intrigues me. Um, yeah, I'm wondering what that is. What I would ask <laughs> the one question I will ask is: Is it something that is a throwaway thing, like the like they didn't think about it, or did they? They're pulling. They're pulling like a fast one on on the audience, going like, mm-hmm. "No, it's was... not like anything like that. It's not like a a, a swerve. I wouldn't say okay. like or anything like that. Just comes out of the blue. Um, okay. It's just a it's just a thing for me. I mean, we could talk about it once you know once you've seen yeah, it and yeah, stuff yeah. and yeah, and whatever. I, need, I, need and... I heard I heard something from from another friend that saw it, and I almost punched him in the throat. Oh no! Because <laughs> he's like, oh, you know, he's like, it was a great movie. He's like it's it's super long, but there's one thing about the movie that just kind of like really. And I'm like, what, dude? You're about to catch it right in the throat. About to catch it in the throat, man. Shut up. Don't want to hear it. 
So yeah. the fact that he said one thing and you said one thing, I, I bet it's the same one thing. No, no. So with me, it's not when I say one thing. I'm not. I don't mean. Spe- I'm not speaking in a specific like sense. Like yeah, yeah. It, no, no, I, I almost feel like it's the same. It's the same thing. <laughs> yeah. Well, like a we'll, certain we'll decision see. made. Now yeah, let's I'm, pause the podcast. Go see the movie and come right. Now back. I'm I know, curious right? to see what this other guy's. What that was yeah. too. So anyway, we'll we'll talk more about that when yes. the time comes. Um, but uh, it, it's probably not. Uh, I don't know. Whatever. We'll see. But but no. Overall, I enjoyed it. I uh, liked it. And uh, whatever. Now we can uh, move on to that. So excellent. Yeah. Uh, so I guess let's talk a bit about what if. Yeah. Because that does yeah. tie in to some of the stuff that we've been talking about and what if had its season finale uh and it was the basically the they're calling it the guardians of the multiverse sure uh where they have i mean worst spoiler ever they're like in every trailer yeah yeah (laughs) um yeah so they basically you know the watcher puts his team together and Mm -hmm. uh, they fight ultron and it was epic and cool and all kinds of awesome. And um, I'm just kind of really just excited about... It was a great way to tie all this up. Like I, you said, it was more than what I expected. Like, I, I honestly just expected this to be kind of a season of, like, mostly... Well, of standalone episodes. And I didn't really right. think we were going to get, like, a an overarching story that like this. But we did, yeah. and it was cool, and it made it even better. Uh, yeah. I also think that... This series and the Loki series, I think, play an important role in educating people on the multiverse and certain concepts of the multiverse that Mm -hmm. probably should be understood as we go into Spider-Man and Doctor Strange. You know, like ideas about, uh, you know, just how some of the rules, especially in this episode, like they really establish some like rules of the multiverse, like, you know, mm-hmm. one, th- like certain things have power in one multi, but may not in another, like yeah. things like that, that are, are important. I think anyway, like things like that, that we should understand and know. Um, it's so hopefully a lot of people are watching this and didn't just like write it off as like an animated thing that doesn't really mm-hmm. connect. Cause it, it totally connects, right? Yeah. It, it is the MCU. It's not a bunch of side things. And uh, and that was the thing that I thought had the greatest value for me was it's yeah. like, wow, it's really ed- they're really using these at least a few of these Disney Plus shows as a way to educate people on this multiverse concept, which is something that we've not seen uh, to this point in, you know, in these big movie universes. And we're going to be getting a lot of it from DC and Marvel coming up. But yeah. Uh, a great, great episode of television. Great overall, great show. Um, I, I understand that there was a an episode that wound up getting cut. Yeah, because of the yeah <laughs> because yeah. of the pandemic. Yeah, the um, uh, yeah. the Gamora, the Gamora, like the Gamora Iron episode. Man one. Yeah, so mm-hmm. that would that's you know unfortunate because that probably would have been really cool, and obviously it uh, it t- plays a role in this episode stuff like that. But yeah, yeah. Yeah, because she kills Thanos, she takes the uh, Infinity Gauntlet, destroys the stones, all of that stuff. So, 
I mean, they, you know, for for what it's worth, the fact that they didn't <clears throat> they didn't have that episode to to work off of, you know, they, they they did a good job at kind of sharing some some good information about who she is, you know, what what her value to the team, all of that stuff. So, yes. I thought the finale was amazing. Um, I especially love the turn of of Doctor Strange, right? Who destroyed his universe, yeah, and um, and ultimately. You know, doesn't want want that to happen for any other universes. So um, he's he's out there, you know, still being a hero. Yeah. Um, and I love the fact that he trapped them in a pocket dimension, forever <laughs> fighting for the stones. <laughs> yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, that was cool. <clears throat> That's dope. That's dope. And I just I love I loved all of the the casting and the you know like Armin Zola coming back. That and... was awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, oh, and he yeah, comes, he comes back that. and like you know, face in the chest and all that stuff. That was it. It was good stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And it was a good collection of characters too. Like they're yep. they're not just, I don't know, they're just grabbing a little bit, like one from here, one from there. But it's the the way they mesh together or yeah. don't mesh together. It was it was cool. Like yeah. if it wasn't Party Thor, if it was a different Thor, I know some people didn't like Party Thor, but I think regular Thor here might not have worked in the group setting as well. Party Thor kind of worked a little bit better. Gives a little bit of comic relief. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. He yeah. was, he was good. And Killmonger, like still being Killmonger, but you know, just way more sophisticated, way more like, I'm just going to take this. And, and he spoke the truth when he got all the stones. He's like, we get to reset everything that we want. You know, you get to get your universe back. You get to get this yeah. back. I think the biggest impact of this show is, uh, is Captain Carter. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. Not just because of, you know, of who she who she is and how she represents sort of like the Captain America of this series, but like I will tell you for the first time ever, I saw, when I was at Comic-Con, there were a bunch of Captain Carters walking really? around. And there was? Oh, there nice. was That was so dope to see. Interesting. Yeah. So, uh, so dope to see. And hopefully Marvel is taking notice of that because we need more Haley Atwell in our lives. Uh, yeah. And, mm-hmm. and especially in that role, like that should be a thing, you know, like Agent... that's how you bring her back. That's the, yeah. the ideal way to, to keep her in the MCU, yes. have her back, have her doing some stuff, kicking some butt. Yeah. It, it, you know, that's how you do it. And it's a fresh Perfect. take on Bring that character, too. Yeah, absolutely. And and give her a show. Because, you know, Agent Carter was a good show that just came out, I think, unfortunately, at the wrong time. Like, now, if under that the, was... Like under a, the wrong branch of Marvel. Yes, if that was a Disney <laughs> yeah, Plus exactly, show, like, it would have exactly. been even cooler. But, like, you can basically now kind of rectify that by giving her a live-action Captain Carter show... And yeah. letting that be a thing, and let's just have some fun with that because, yeah, absolutely, that character was a breakout. Um, I and mean, her sa- cachet is going to be a lot bigger after the 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 next two um, a Mission Impossible movies that come out. So yeah. she's like the sure. lead, the yeah. lead, well, not the lead, like after Tom Cruise, but she's well, the lead yeah. in both of those, which is and fantastic. her name, her name value is going to be right up there. Like they'd be smart to snatch her and. Use like use this character. This character yeah. is hugely popular right now. Yeah, it's, yeah. And sadly, this was the the final performance of Chadwick Boseman, right? In yeah, in the MCU, and there were actually apparently plans to have a like a spinoff of the yeah. T'Challa Star Lord character, mm-hmm. which 
now sadly isn't going to happen, obviously, but, um, but that was a great character as well. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I mean, so we'll, we'll see what happens with season two, whenever that is, because who knows what the multiverse is even going to look like by the time you yeah. get to season yeah. two, right, of this show. I mean, all we know, though, is that uh, Captain Carter and the uh, not- Nazi Smasher right. are back. Yes. Yeah. So that's pretty that's pretty exciting. And <clears throat> Owatu obviously coming back. Um, I, I loved I loved some of this, the way that they kind of tied it off, like with the, um, you know, kind of taking Natasha and giving her way more of an important story than they did in Black Widow. <laughs> Yes. Oh my god. Absolutely. She was so good in this. Yeah, this she was is the Black Widow movie I wanted. Yes. Yeah. So You know, uh, it's it's funny, I, I kinda now almost wish they would have waited even longer to do a Black Widow movie, because if you would have waited, you could have given us a Black Widow movie within the multiverse concept. Yep. And had basically that type of a storyline, and then it could have ended with like you dropping her off into this other universe where she gets to, and all of a sudden, imagine being in the theater and like it pulls back, and they're on the um, the whatchamacallit there fighting like Loki and his his minions and all of that stuff. Yeah. Like when I mean, just that would have been alongside like Captain America and and all that. Like that would have been so amazing yeah. to see that. And then she just gets dropped off. Yeah. Ugh. Hey, I mean, that's the thing right now with the multiverse, any, anything is possible. Yeah. Right. And money talks. So like if they ever wanted to bring Iron Man back, they could. Of course. I mean, I think I, sure. to me though, I think that that's a, that's like a 10 commandment that you can't, that you can't break. No. Cause it, it really because ruins. It yeah. undoes. Yes. Und, undoes. Undo. Undoes. Un- undoes. 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 <laughs> <laughs> It basically unravels everything that uh, that the Infinity Saga set up. So it, I hope they never yeah. do that. But and, Steve, Steve Rogers, and you don't want them to start using the multiverse as a crutch, where like they yeah. start to bring no. things. It's like, oh well, this is a way for us to kind of sort of bring things back, but it's not really like it. It doesn't. It's that's not the Tony Stark that you saw. You know, die in uh, in the Infinity Saga. This is a different. It's like no, man, that's cheap. This is, this is the Tom Cruise uh, Tony Stark yeah. that we're gonna see. Yeah, yeah, that would be. <laughs> Let's do that. Yeah, that'd be something. Oh, that would be funny. Yeah, but it's cool because like the even the thing with um with the uh, yeah we we assume right that Steve Rogers is gonna be in that Hydra Smasher thing. Yeah. So that's something oh, yeah, that so. like you're only going to be able to do like in that animated show, right? Like yeah. that's not something that you're really going to be able to pull off in live action. So it's like at least having it be animated like it gives you this freedom to essentially do all these things you probably you're not going to be able to do in live action, mm-hmm. which is cool. It's another element like the multiverse does open things up more because it does give you freedom to do a little bit more than you could have before, but now animation gives you even more freedom yeah. to do even more things yeah. so i mean zombies they they right. figured out a way to incorporate the damn zombies in there which was even yeah. in this episode which yeah. was cool i a could whole, lit- you know a whole series and run that was like literally uptick like 20 percent in terms of like comic book prices 
Everyone's looking for the zombie books now. To me, Aaron oh, yeah, Aaron sure. thinks of the MCU now just in terms of commodities. Like he doesn't even. It's not even about quality. <laughs> yeah, it, it's. Films. I'll, I'll tell you, He's, man. He has like so... a ticker going across like his uh, laptop. <laughs> that that like, that. It, it's funny because when I was uh, when I was walking the show of Comic Con, the floor. I'm sorry. And looking at all of the comic book vendors, it's nothing but Marvel stuff on, like mostly Marvel stuff on their on their shelves, yeah, well, on their books. Yeah, makes sense. You know, and they're they're selling like hotcakes. Yeah, they really are. And uh, I kind of felt bad for well, DC. No, you know what it is though. There's a reason I think for that. A couple of reasons. One is Marvel more so than DC right now is introducing new characters cinematically. Okay. Yeah. Which means that whereas yeah. DC is still relying on like old faithfuls the holy trinity and where and the other thing too is the holy trinity Trinity. less people read marvel (laughs) comics years ago like over the years than dc right so all of a sudden it's like like even me like i didn't collect marvel that much i collected spider-man and you know the occasional thing here and there but like i was a dc guy so i didn't have any of this stuff you know so it's like all of a sudden now it's like people are who who even people who were into comics and stuff are like having to go back and find yeah. the stuff that they weren't into. So I think that's it, it's not so much about like well DC isn't really popular. I, I think DC's probably their current stuff is probably still outselling Marvel, but I think that the Marvel stuff has become more commodity based now because things like Eternals and Shang-Chi and, and you know, different variations mm-hmm. of certain characters or villains and stuff that are now being introduced. Like that's intriguing. DC hasn't gotten to that point yet, right? They're still doing Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, the flash, you know, Aquaman, um, even Shazam. I mean, Shazam wasn't like a B list property. You know what I mean? Like, Things like that, that, you know, Green Lantern, like, so Justice League stuff, like, they really haven't gone too deep yet into some of their cuts, and uh, and I think that's, that's probably, a, so people aren't going to be scrambling now to find that rare, you know, and they, look, there's a lot more. That rare Plastic Man uh, issue 76 yeah, or whatever. Exactly. People, and, and there are a lot more rare Marvel characters than there were DC characters, especially when you consider the fact that most of the A-list Marvel properties, right? So your Fantastic Four, they've already had movies. Spider-Man already had movies prior to the MCU. So the Miles Morales version, that's different, right? That was something that came out. But like, you know, Captain America and and the other characters that were left, they all got introduced in phase one of Marvel. So now we're going deeper. You know, now we're getting into like your Black Panthers and your um, even deeper, deeper, your Shang-Chi's and your Eternals and you know, um, the stuff with the, the Disney Plus shows, right? So things like Agatha, Harkness, and um, and all of that stuff, and stuff from Falcon and Winter Soldier and things like that that they're starting to incorporate. So, And we're going to see Ms. Marvel, and you're going to see She-Hulk, right? And and you're going to have, like, all these things, Moon Knight, right? So it's like these now mm-hmm. they're getting deep into a lot of this stuff. So, yeah, I mean, it's like a haven for people to go Aaron and... go buy your Moon Knight comics right now I already have it <laughs> <laughs> I've got I've got my uh, my first uh, well, I think it's Moon Knight number one I have I have uh, Spider-Woman the first appearance of Spider-Woman like I've been buying up nice. stuff when I started to, to like catch wind or get that like you know the Spidey sense tingling that uh, Young Avengers was coming I had uh, I had my buddy Phil 
from the special effects comics and collectibles uh go grab me a, a first run of um young avengers so i've got young that avengers. slapped up yeah i've got i've got awesome. a lot of books i have man. that i have that already <laughs> I yeah i've got that already oh yeah so that there's, I mean, great. there's a lot of, a lot of books right now that, uh, you know, even, even, uh, just kind of, like I said, walking, walking the floor and, and hanging out with him for a little bit as he was searching for comic books. It's like, he's looking for like, oh, this, this issue has the first appearance of so-and-so, um, you know, th- this like, you know, we're looking for the first appearance of Watu in it. And it's like, it's crazy. You know, a lot of, a lot of the, a lot of the, the vendors, they need to keep up with what's happening out there. Yeah. And what what the buzz is because they're you know ultimately if they're not up on that stuff and someone snags a book at like a cheap price like they're gonna pay for it when it, when the, that property drops in a couple of months yeah so or you want to bury it while it's someone you realistically can't charge a lot for it right now right yeah but you know you might want to hold on to it because the value will go up in whatever you know depending on when the time period is you know we want to make sure it's not just laying in a box like a two dollar box somewhere you know and uh and then six months from now damn thing's worth two thousand dollars yeah i mean that that happened actually i think it was an amazing spider-man uh book it was like a first i think i think it was at the first appearance of one of the first appearances of venom in a book and he stumbled upon it and he got it for like dirt cheap. And the guy saw it as he was pulling it out. He was like, um, oh, I was going to grab that and put it up on the wall. No, he's too like, late. not anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I want to put it on my no, wall. You, yeah. No, you are not, sir. Oh, and what's the price on that? Oh yes. That's you've got it. Oh, you already have it written down for me. Thank you so much. A dollar 25. Yeah. You it was like 30 bucks or something like that. 60 bucks maybe. Um, oh. but yeah, it's, uh, I mean, it, so I guess we'll we'll jump into like my experience at Comic yeah. Con since, since we're in that topic right now. But it was a very so I've been going for about ten ten years now. Uh, last year obviously was because of circumstances, COVID, yada yada. We didn't go; they didn't have it. Um, this this year was very different for me. Um, t- traditionally, I'm I'm out for exclusives in terms of toys and things like that that I'm getting my hands on. Um, a lot of vendors, a lot of the big vendors were not there. Uh, some of them were doing virtual virtual shows or virtual like uh, uh, selling stuff. Um, big people pulled out. But they out. didn't actually have booths set up? No. So like uh, Hallmark Pop Minded, which is one that I, I frequent when I'm at, uh, at Comic-Con because they have like the exclusive That's usually Hallmark like the first stop, uh, keepsake right? ornaments. Yeah. They, uh, oh, they yeah. weren't there. Really? Um, yeah, they didn't. They didn't show up, but they did. They did have a special con sale huh. of ornaments, con exclusive ornaments that I did manage to snag my get my hands on. Um, but yeah, they weren't there, and surprisingly, one of the biggest New York City vendors was not there on site. Midtown Comics really was what? not there. They pulled out. Wow. Yeah. So that's uh, why Alex Ross. Who who's been coming going to cons? He wasn't there. He essentially has like almost like a mini like art gallery. Room. Gallery, yeah, yeah, Thanks. art gallery. He yeah. was he wasn't there. There was a, a lot of a lot of folks were missing. Um, yeah. A lot of the the sort of, some of the international uh, wow. toy, obviously the international toy uh, toy sellers were not there. Huh. Um, well, so it was a very sense. it was a yeah. very subdued show. I guess a um, Midtown Comics must have been like, hey, look, 
we don't think a lot of people are going to be there this year. We're not going to pay to have a booth that's basically 10 blocks from like one of our main stores. So let just people know where we are. They'll come find us, you know, if they want, I guess that's the thought. Yeah. We'll have a sale at our store. Just come to our store. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. But yeah, so attendance attendance was definitely different. So Friday was uh, obviously it was a it was a work day, and and I went, but uh, I took the day off. But it was very quiet. And um, one of the things I called out was that Midtown Comics they sell nothing but new stuff most of the time, right? Right. Yeah. Like special signings and things. Oh, the other the other uh, sorry before I even get here, the other thing that wasn't there, the other uh, organization that wasn't there was the CGC. Yeah, you mentioned they uh, weren't going to be there. Yeah, they weren't there, and usually they've got like they're organizing a lot of the the signing stuff that's happening in Artist Alley. You know, they're aligned with like some of the big comic the comic writers and artists and things like that. They do all the grading. You know, they package your stuff up and send it out. So like they weren't there, which was you know they're they're I think they're they're headquartered out of Florida, so that kind of makes sense. But anyways, um. With Mid- Midtown not being there, I said, "Man, you know what? It's probably a good, a good thing for some of these smaller vendors, because people still have the itch to buy comics, and they may have been buying. Oh, I'm gonna get the latest variant of this thing, or I'm gonna get that. And instead, they're putting their money into like the older stuff. So I saw lots of people just thumbing through boxes of books, mm. like more so than than I remember. Like an old school comic book convention." Yeah, it felt like yeah. the way I remember going to Con in the very beginning yeah. of New York Comic Con, where it's just a lot of you know a lot of local local comic book sellers and vendors kind of just showing off their stuff and people kind of go you know picking through boxes and things. So uh, that was cool. But they did have some some really interesting panels. You know, um, Star Trek had a panel. They showed some uh, some trailers uh, for Discovery, um, Expanse. I think it's season six. Season right? six, which is the final season of an amazing show. Yeah, so they 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 had some some trailers there, and the the panel was virtual, which is kind of weird. Um, so like actors weren't actually there. Um, it's like virtual on the big screen. Um, and then Ghostbusters, uh, Afterlife, had a panel, but they screened the entire film. That's which the is stunning. Entire movie. At Comic-Con. I've never seen that before. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you I got to I've see, ever, like, what, I've... 20 minutes of um, Into the Spider-Verse? The minutes of Into the Spider-Verse. Yeah. But they showed the whole... Yeah, but it wasn't the whole movie. No. No, and a lot of it wasn't done. Like, a lot of it was still, like, they were still working on it. Um, And that was, like, two years ago? Yeah, two or three years ago, maybe? Uh, but, yeah, so, so uh, Afterlife was shown... And I didn't actually I didn't hear any any of the buzz for that, which is which is weird. Um, it was weird. One, it was weird that they were showing it. But two, like that didn't that didn't give me like good vibes. It didn't give me a good feeling uh, about the movie. And uh, did you actually go to that panel and actually I did? No, it no. was late, and I was like, but you know, I'm not like one that sticks it out from like the start of the show to the end of the show. I'm like, all right, guys, it's like three o'clock in the afternoon, four o'clock in the afternoon. I'm gonna go and get some drinks or something like that. Um, it was a six a six thirty <clears throat> a six thirty panel. So okay, and just so people know, that movie comes out November nineteenth, so it's it's more than a month in advance. Yeah. Uh, did, did people know when they signed up for that panel that they were going to be watching the movie? I don't. I don't know. Um, 
because that's kind of a that's an investment in time too like yeah <laughs> yeah mean, i don't i don't know i think i i would imagine i would imagine so right um but and there was a lot there were a lot of ghostbuster a lot of ghostbuster stuff like people you know decked out yeah cosplaying and stuff like that uh so I'm, I'm sure people expected it and then you know come to find out adam savage he dropped a video i think yesterday um on tested of him <clears throat> redoing a uh a proton pack mm. proton photon proton proton pack proton yeah and uh and saying oh that he was going to be at new york comic con and was going to be at the at the panel oh so yeah it's funny because i i all of a sudden started seeing like some reviews and popping up and it it didn't dawn on me that like that's why like that they started and how were they um the reviews so far have been kind of mick like the first one i saw was like really positive it's like oh this this thing hits on like every it hits all the notes for me like it's it's the nostalgia the, the the new stuff the blah 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 and then i've seen some that are like oh it's really good and then it becomes too fan servicey and then it's not as good mm. anymore so like i've seen both um I, I don't put a lot of stock in early reviews because they never those early reviews for some reason don't tend to be uh, the most accurate feedback that you can get on movies because I think sometimes people get caught up in the moment. Yeah. You know, yeah. And, and it's not like, so you get that emotional, that immediate emotional response as opposed to um, what, I, I mean, reviews are whatever anyway, but um, yeah, some of it, so it's been a lot of that. It's been like, oh, I, I really liked it. And then it's been like, oh, it's cool. But then it's like two fan service. So I, whatever. I mean, I, I still don't know how I feel about it i've seen the trailer now a couple of times like in the theater and uh yeah. like they're really emphasizing the like the new cast and the new characters and all that stuff and then yeah. you get the quick tease at the very end of the trailer right but so i'd be curious to see how much of that like how the movie is balanced out but um yeah i mean i um i am getting like i was super excited when i first saw that uh the first, not the not this trailer that dropped with the like teaser, Paul Rudd right? and the teaser. Yeah, yeah, that teaser yeah. got me all sorts of excited. Um, I, I don't maybe I don't know exactly why. Maybe it was just the fact that it was like a return to form in a way, like oh, like what could have been, you know what I mean? Catching up on some on these characters and like the legacy of the Ghostbusters. But then after seeing this, the first full trailer, I'm kind of like, you're dialing it up too much for me. And I'm starting to get tired of films that are relying a lot on nostalgia and fan service to, like, pass the buck. Um, having Episode seen... Seven. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Right? Yeah. yeah 100%. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, like, seeing the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man and... One of the the hounds of Dozer, kind of pop up at the end of the trailer. Like I'm like, oh, you're, oh, are we doing this again? Are we revisiting it's like the greatest hits? Yeah, 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 yeah. You know what I mean? You see the cab driver from from the first Ghostbusters yeah, show up at like a right. gas station. So it's like all of that stuff. And like, if you're a young person and you've never seen Ghostbusters and you see that, that shit looks really cool to you. Right. But like for. I grew up on Ghostbusters, so by watching that, like, I know what they're trying to do. Like, oh, here you go, buddy. 
you you didn't like that other good you know what's his name um uh paul uh fag is that his name oh the the Not, remake yeah you don't, oh, you don't like his movie don't worry man we got you we got you covered we got all the good stuff that you remember and i don't that doesn't work for me right it I, actually turns me off i feel like too there's yeah. a part of this that's like you know who is the audience for ghostbusters and in 2021 right so like do young people care about the ghostbusters property i don't know but i think they're banking on the the people who grew up watching it which would be us taking younger people to go see getting hooked into the nostalgia aspect and maybe bringing some younger people to the theaters to watch it almost like a kid's movie right like that's how you kind of market I mean, there's two ways to market kids' movies, right? You can market it to where, like, the, you get the kid, if they're old enough, to, like, say, I want to see that, to the point where you have to take them to go see it. Or you market it in a way where, like, it looks like it's going to be appealing to the adult who then goes and takes the the kid to the, see the movie. And I feel like that's how this movie's being marketed. It's like, here's all these wonderful things you remember about this property that hasn't really been relevant for a very long time, and, you know, maybe bring your kids along because it's a new story and we'd like to create like a new franchise out of it type of deal. And I, so I think that's where right. you get that clash of like maybe some new ideas, but then you still got to throw the greatest hits in because like, you know, it's like if you have a band and, uh, you know, you're a band and you want people to hear your new stuff, sometimes, unfortunately, you got to play the old stuff because that's right. what gets people to buy tickets, right? Um, people tend to not want to hear the new stuff, unfortunately, when they go to a lot of concerts, which drives me nuts, but whatever. Um, but yeah, so it's that kind of thing. Like sometimes, unfortunately, you got to deal with the greatest hits. You know, uh, yeah, I, but I, I don't know if I agree with that. I think if you write a good enough movie, you don't have to do the fan service thing enough. You like, don't. If your stuff is good enough. If the new material is good enough on someone's album or if the new movie that you're writing is good enough and it just has enough ties to the previous, you know, the previous movies that you did, the Ghost versus one and two, like then you're, you know, if the, the story, the story has to be good. You can't just, well, it needs, you know, it's like the Venom thing. Like we need A, B, C, D and E to make the movie successful. So no, you just have to write a good story. Sure. That's, right. it, that's what it boils down to. And word of mouth, people will go see it. Yeah. Last, I mean, I... the last Ghostbusters film didn't do well because the story was kind of lacking. It wasn't all there. And if it was a really good story, then word of mouth would have been good. And people would have been all over Ghostbusters again, but the story's got to carry it. A greatest hits just doesn't work. And no. My name is confusing as shit. It's just from a marketing like perspective. Without the Ghostbusters. Yeah, from a marketing perspective, I mean, I'm talking purely not a creative perspective. Obviously, creatively, it's not the way to go. Oh, yeah. But just from, I'm talking from a marketing perspective, unfortunately, the belief is that sometimes you have to do the greatest hits in order to get people to go see something if you don't have confidence, right, in what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe that ties into kind of like some of the things Aaron was talking about before where he's losing confidence in this because I feel like some of the things that they've done to market this film don't point to a lot of confidence, right? It, you know, and I think, I think the thing is too, they are, you know, the cast is by design, right? You you don't cast Finn, Finn Wolfhard right. with like a... You know, oh, he's going to appeal to the young, to the older people. Like this, they're, they're going for that Stranger Things. Oh yeah. You know it. 
crowd. Yep. Um, by casting him because he's like at the center of all of these nostalgic moments and this, this like pop culture, you know, it's like these pop culture films that everything, everyone is so excited about, or they had been. So, so there's that, but then to me, the, the, I don't want to re I don't want to rehash. And I feel like that first trailer was just a rehash of a bunch of shit that I've already seen before with like, with a shiny new coat. Right. I'm pretty sure Gozer pops up in that trailer. I've watched it like two or three or four times maybe. And I think Gozer pops up out of the floor somehow. (laughs) And I'm like, what? Okay. So how is, how is this, how is this a thing now? And like, why does this matter? And yeah, you know what I'm saying? So I just, and then it's not a knock on the movie at all. It might be amazing. It might just maybe pull those right strings. But like that stuff just gives me the red flag of like, yeah, we're going to, we're going to give you a whole lot of stuff that, that it's going to mean, it's going to mean to give you the warms and warm and fuzzies in your belly. And, and then we're, it's just going to be a hollow or shallow story. Here's one other thought to kind of tie into what I was saying about like how you, the marketing of the movie and being greatest hits related. Maybe the, the commercials or the trailers, that's the focus because again, that is the greatest hits and that's right. what they're trying they to, to market on. And that doesn't, that doesn't necessarily mean that's what the movie is, right? but yeah, they're not be relying on it. Hopefully. Yeah. They, yeah. It's know. like, it's like a, it, this is not the other, the other Ghostbusters movie that, you heard about and potentially saw we're, we're, we're a little bit more cl- We're closer to the thing that you remember. Right. And, and that's, that would actually make sense a little, you know, I, I know it's not, um, it doesn't give you a lot of confidence because the fear is, you know, it's just like when you watch a uh, trailer or a TV spot for a comedy movie, right. And you're like, Oh, well, geez, I hope all the jokes weren't in that trailer. Yeah. You know, like there's always yeah. that fear. It's like, well, did they just pick like the, what what was the point of that? Like was that trailer funny because it's just a really funny movie and anything was going to be funny or did they literally just go and find me all the funny stuff well, and throw it well, in dude, the trailer? It was, like, it was like the Halloween Kills trailer that dropped the last trailer that dropped where yeah, it's basically Michael Myers killing everybody. Don't get I'm like, me okay, started on the, movie. the Halloween Kills <laughs> thing. That's a whole yeah. other podcast. I can't even Sorry. Yeah, no, I just I uh, Sorry, dude. Thank God I can watch that movie at home next week. Yeah, Uh, right? That's Friday? It's, yeah, it's Friday. Can't wait. I was going to say, the the ghost, I just did a a, a quick search here, and it looks like they played the entire Ghostbusters Afterlife uh, on August 23rd as well during CinemaCon in Los Angeles. Wow. They're oh, just wow. rolling this thing out for everybody. Huh. Is, is this like, is this to gauge, is this the studio gauging the audience's reaction to make a final edit of the film? Like they I mean, filmed this really time. long film. It, like just the, the most bizarre way to go about test screenings, just throw it out there at major yeah. events. It, it could be. I mean, it's not weird that movies get screened in advance, but it's weird that they would be screened in advance at things like CinemaCon and Comic-Con. Like, usually it's film festivals, right? That they, right, yeah. that they would do screenings at and you know that they're going to be screened. It could be. It could be a way that, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what's going on with it. I, you know, Ghostbusters is a weird property because, you know, uh, Sean, like when you were talking about how, like, you write a good movie 
and then like people will come and all that stuff. And if like if you really think about Ghostbusters, like it's really not that deep a property, right? Like the first movie's a classic. The second movie, I mean, is Ghostbusters two really that good? Like not really. I, I got a not really. I mean, but yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. And then not as good as the first, right? And then we got another. You got the real Ghostbusters animated show, which was great. But I mean, it's that was what it was, right? I, I don't know that there's a ton of people that are, you know, love, you know, were, even know that that was a thing. And then yeah. you didn't have anything, and then you had the the remake, which you know mm-hmm. most people didn't like. And now you're getting this, so it's like it's not like it's this. It's not Star Wars, right? It's not like major comic book character properties. Like it's it's almost like you're. You're trying to keep a property alive that's like you're really milking something that that doesn't have much to it. Um, so I, I can see where you might fall into the nostalgia trap because like outside of just a complete remake where you just have like the kids involved or whatever, like like what is the lure of it? Like are people like do a lot of people sit around saying like, oh man, I really we need another ghostbusters movie you know what i mean like it's i don't think it's that type of property to me i mean i could be wrong um so i'm not sure like other unless you went the remake route which they already tried um i don't know what what else you would do like because you're kind of damned if you do damned if you don't right like if you if you don't have the nostalgia elements that strips away a lot of the reason why people might have been interested in it to begin with and and what made it good to begin with but if you if you have a lot of those elements then it's like well why did you even bother like it's too much fan service and all that stuff so it's a tough tough property to try to bring back i mean i give them credit for making an attempt uh we'll see where it goes um is this is this one where like where the studio pitched the idea like we need a new ghostbusters movie or is this (laughs) reitman you know making a pitch going god we need to make like it's a passion project of his that he really wanted to bring it back in the right way. Or is it, Hey, you're the son of, you know, the former director. Do you want to make this? Cause I mean, you know, where's the passion coming from? Is it the studio want to make money or is it right men wanting to, you know, yeah, I heard make a great film. I heard that it was Jason Reitman out of nowhere, writing a script for it and then sharing it with his dad. And going, like, I've got this idea for how to do this. And them going, like, that works. Share it with, you know, with the studio. So it's in the it's in the blood. So it's I, coming from a good place. Then. Yeah. So it, that's what that's what it is. You know, I think it's I think it's coming from it's coming from a good place. And I think it's it's coming from a place where, like, I've, I've heard for years, years that they were planning on doing a Ghostbusters three. Oh, yeah. I think, you know, like, Dan Aykroyd wrote. Like was a like script writing for it in like the nineties, right? Yeah. And it just never went anywhere. And then, you know, they made that other the the other film and ultimately, you know, J- uh, Jason Reitman got inspired to to do this make this film. Um or write this film. So so here's a and quote. It is, it is it is Sony, right? Here, it yeah. Here's a <laughs> here's a quote, Aaron, which you you are not going to like, considering what you just talked about and how your mm-hmm. concerns are. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Jason Reitman 
I guess who was basically kind of talking about how he was inspired to do this after the failures of that reboot, remake, whatever yeah. that was. He says, hand the he wanted to hand the movie back to the fans. That was his goal with this movie. I, you know, I could take that. That doesn't make me feel great. Yeah, I was like, you know, as a Star Wars fan, like that kind of makes sense to me. And but then but then I hear that and I'm like, you're going to be you're going to be trying to pull all those levers and trying to make me feel really, really good. And all I want is a damn good story. That's it. I want to know what happened to my beloved Ghostbusters and how they're passing the torch. I don't need little Stay Puft Marshmallow Men jumping around. Like that that's the shit that like just irks the hell out of me because it's the mo and I'll tell you the moment I saw that, I saw them like kind of jumping and skewering each other, I was like, what the F? Oh my God. Why are you doing this? Like that's not a way to bring it back. That doesn't give me the warm and fuzzies. That's like you're just you're basically like, oh yeah, <laughs> look at how cute they are. Stay Puff Marshmallow Man was not meant to be a cute looking thing. You know, no, not at all. So like that, that to me just blows that whatever. Okay. <laughs> well, that's the whole different thing. So now if you, if you misinterpret what it was that fans loved about something, that's even worse because that's the worst kind of fan service, right? Is misinterpreting mm-hmm. what fans want and what they need. And, and I mean, geez, I can go on and on about like people like JJ Abrams and how who who are in love with fan service and how sometimes they completely miss what they think fans wanted um like yeah. which is what happened with like Star Trek into Darkness right for instance where i think he just completely missed on what he thought fans would want uh especially not being a Star Trek fan so he he completely whiffed on that and yeah. and kind of ruined what what could have been a really and what was for most of it, a good movie. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think you can have that problem. I mean, there's fan service mm-hmm. that works and then there's fan service that is like, it doesn't work on any level because it's either too much or it misses the point. Mm-hmm. So like, like you said, like if the whole thing was, Oh, stay tough, stay puff marshmallow, man. Like he's cute. People love him. No, that wasn't. No, that's not yeah. what the point yeah. of that was, you know? So yeah, yeah. It's like it's a wrestling the, turn where the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man is the villain, and he's so popular they turn him into a face, and it never yeah. works the same you know? way though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. I mean, it's the same issues. Well, one of the issues I have with like Superman Returns, um, because it's it's a bunch of fan service, a lot of things coming out of Clark and Superman's mouth that I've heard before, and so you know. I, I, I just that, that kind of that kind of like on the nose fan service just does not appeal to me. Yeah, especially when it's in a really boring movie. Yeah, with a exactly that, that's, <laughs> yeah. exactly yeah with a completely miscast Lois Lane. Oh yes. Oh, in a five year old. It's amazing to me how you could. I mean, we've spoken about Superman Returns on here plenty of times, but it it is amazing to me how you could pay so much reverence, right? to oh yeah the Donner Superman to go through that to do the the intro like the the credits the opening credits yeah. the same way and to essentially try to make us believe 
that this is the same Superman and the same universe. Yet, you miss on like almost everything else. Like you miss on, like you went even found a guy who thankfully turned out to be great and Brandon Routh even looked like a young Christopher Reeve, right? But yet Kate Bosworth as Lois Lane is not at all Margot Kidder's Lois Lane. And she's supposed to be in theory. Yeah. I mean, they couldn't, be any different they looked completely different they acted different they spoke different everything about them was different and and even mm-hmm. like the look of i like the look of superman returns i think it has kind of a cool timeless look to it but like it doesn't look like the donner superman stuff no so it's like why no. it, it amazes me how you can do that like it's like you're paying so much reverence to this movie and you want it to be considered a sequel to superman 2 to donner's version of superman 2 more specifically Yet it you missed on so much, like it, it's just it's always been fascinating to me how I mean I, I think about this a lot because I, I've actually been thinking about the Halloween movies a lot now because it's that time of the year, and uh, you know I was thinking about uh, uh, Rob Zombie's Halloween remake reboot whatever you want to call that mess. And, uh, like, he's another one. Like, he missed so much. Like, for a guy who claimed to be a fan and claimed to have reverence for, like, Carpenter's original, like, he missed so much of what made that movie great. Mm. And it's, like, it just, I, it's fascinating to me how, like, you could want to pay reverence to something yet miss it completely. <laughs> you know, it's, like, it's it's weird. Uh, it's, I don't know, it's just odd to me. Um, how that happens so often that, that attack on the story is like it, it's not the right way to go it's like i get reverence for this film franchise here's the things i like about it and that's the movie i'm going to make instead of i've got a story to tell about what what would have happened to michael myers after or you know you're you're not you can't make a you can't make a film based on reverence you can't make a film Correct. based on fan service you're going to make a film based on the story and what makes logical sense for the continuation of the story if you're putting in your greatest hits like you're not you're not moving the story forward you're you're sticking it in the past yeah right and that was one of the things with halloween 2018 is that i didn't like that movie but i appreciated at least the fact that they were they they took the time to make a movie that they believed was a direct sequel to the first halloween Right. right and they went through the they went and they figured out how the mask would age, how latex would age over time. And they did all of these little detailed things and they, they had Carpenter come back to score. Now, creatively, I didn't like the story that they told. I didn't, for the most part, and I didn't like some of the directions that they took. But I, I appreciated what they were trying to do because at least they they got certain things. I'm a little concerned about things I've heard about this next movie. <laughs> Uh, when especially when it comes to fan service and that whole reverence thing again, but still, like I appreciated it, and uh, and even with like the Force Awakens, which is fan servicey too, like, but I at least appreciated that they brought in new concepts and new ideas, uh, and gave us some new characters, right, and were seemed to be bringing us forward. Um, that stuff's cool, but yeah, like when you when you have just a reverence for something but you still have to tell a good story you still have to you can't just rely on that i agree and you know we'll see what happens with this ghostbusters movie we'll see what happens with halloween kills um 
you know, I don't know. I, I think people talk about con- comic book movie fatigue and like, I don't feel like comic book movie fatigue is a thing at all, obviously, but I, I do think that franchise fatigue could, is definitely a thing mm-hmm. because it, I just think that sometimes, um, certain things just need to stay like where they are, like things end and, and people have a reverence for it and they, they will enjoy it and they will continue to enjoy it. But like, you don't want to milk franchises beyond like, you know, like even with the matrix, right? Matrix, um, this new one that's coming out, like hopefully they're just not milking that too much too, you know, cause that one kind of didn't even end off on a high note. <laughs> You know, so we'll see what happens with that. But oh, yeah, I'm excited about that. I'm, I'm excited too because I, I only I hope that it actually is closer to the original, and it maybe it allows me to watch the original and this one without having to deal with the other two. Like that would be cool. Like you know what I mean? Give this me a feels little... like the, the direction though. I feel with the new Matrix is they had a story that they wanted to tell it as seems opposed like to. It. Okay, I know we ended on a low note. Let's see if we can revive the franchise. It feels right. like it's coming from a more honest place this time around. Yeah, it could very well be. And, and maybe that's why it took so long, right, too? Because, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. I think I would have been more concerned if the movie came out, like, maybe four or five years after the last one, right? But yeah. when it takes this long, yeah. right, you would hope to say, hey, things are going on in the world that we think, you know, we have a story to tell now. That we're all yeah. of a sudden the Matrix has a, a new relevance. New relevance, yeah. And, you know, let's yeah. tell this story. That's... That's cool because that's not something that's going to happen a lot where like you have a franchise and all of a sudden like it gets a renewed relevance because it's there's real world implications, right? Because right. a lot of this stuff is so fantastical, right? That it's Oh my God. I mean, not like even that. some of the, just in that trailer, there's so, there's so many interesting things about the commentary on society. Like when he's, Neo's in the elevator and he looks up and everyone's glued to their phones. Uh-huh. It's like, dude, this, that is my life. Like I, that happens to me on a well, when I was in the city and going, you know, into an office building, like that was my life going there. You look, and you happen to pick your phone, your head up out of your own phone. And you look around, and you're like, everyone's glued to their shit right now. And, uh, you know, it's always, it's, it's cause I'm, I love the matrix. I'm like, there are everyone's trapped in the matrix. Look at them. They're all stuck to their phone. We are. Yeah. yeah. Matrix of the matrix. So I like that. I'm, I'm, I'm so intrigued. Do you, yeah. do you think the studio would have given the Wachowskis like all this money to make a new matrix? If the script wasn't strong, because I mean, they've had a lot of misfires out of the gate with a lot of the films that they've released. Mm. They're not really capturing, you know, they're not on fire like they used to be. Do you think they would right. give them another shot? Just like, okay, let's just give them another shot, another kick at the can, see if they can make a movie. Or do you think, you know, you know, this script is good. I think you guys can actually knock it out of the park on this one. Like, this is your return to glory. And it's it's only one of the Wachowskis, right? This time yeah. around. Which, oh, is Lana? it only one? Yeah, it's only yeah. Lana. It's Lana Wachowski. It's, it's just Lana, which is um, interesting as to why. Um, mm-hmm. You know, but is the other sister involved in the screenwriting? Now I'm kind of curious. No, I don't believe so. No, it. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, let me see. I have it here. It, no, so it was written by uh, Lana directed it and co-wrote it with two other people, David Mitchell and Alexander Heman or Hemon. I don't know why. Um, and actually, did um, Lana is the only one of the 
uh, Wachowskis that produced it as well. So, um, mm. yeah, I mean, it's very, you know, I, again, I don't know why that is. Um, but, uh, no, I, you know, I think it's a combination of things. I think one, well, I'm sure the story was interesting, right? And I'm sure that mm-hmm. they went and said, hey, you know, we got this interesting concept and it probably, you know, ties into some of the things going on now. And again, there is that relevance, which makes it intriguing. And also, look, Keanu Reeves is kind of a hot property again right now because yeah. of the John Wick mm-hmm. movies and stuff. So why not try to capitalize on that? Sure. Uh, I, I think it's kind of the right time. Like, I, I actually think it's a, an excellent time if you're yeah. going mm-hmm. to bring back this franchise to do it now. Um, because it, of all it also says something to me about and you know again I don't know these people from Adam but like Keanu Reeves can has can have his cake and eat it too he doesn't necessarily have to sign up to do shit and nope. yet You're right. he's he jumped in on this Carrie Ann Moss I mean she hasn't really done much but like her jumping on a lot of people are jumping back into the into the film so it's I hope that that's a sign that the story is good enough that it's got people like super excited about wanting to participate in it again. Um, but you know your your question about Warner Brothers just kind of giving them you know hey here's the money I'm sure the money the money wasn't like you know Avengers type money to make this film. Um, probably did it on a budget, but you know I think I think. It's about the the revisiting and re refreshing the franchise because they think if it's good enough, then they're like, we can make three more. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> I think I think there's something something there, or even like spinning it off and doing something else. Like we're gonna do a Matrix show that's mm. gonna be on HBO Max. Um, yeah, yeah. Just a couple interesting <clears throat> notes because I'm reading deeper into this. Uh, so the the two people that co-wrote the movie with her. Uh, they wrote the finale of um, Sense Eight. Okay. Oh. Okay. Which yeah, which was the Wachowski show with um, yep. J. Michael Straczynski and and uh, David yep. Mitchell actually uh, one of those two. He wrote the novel Cloud Out Cloud Atlas. So mm, that's the okay. connection. So there's deep connections there, obviously. Yeah. With, uh, Ugh, Cloud Atlas. Yeah. Oh, so and here's the reason. So Lily. Wachowski is not involved because um, she's working on a show, the the work in progress series on Showtime. Mm. So she just gave her blessing to them to come up with a great story or whatever and go on with it. So it's really not anything. It's just scheduling and whatnot, because originally the Wachowskis weren't even involved. Right. They were originally planning, I think like a movie that w- they were going to do like a sequel or a reboot or a prequel or something like that. Yeah. To all this yeah. And- prequel is what I heard. So I think they must've been like, Hey, listen, let's just come up with something <laughs> before, uh, somebody else takes this over and mm-hmm. like Rob mm-hmm. zombies it or whatever, you know? <laughs> oh my God. Rob zombie matrix movie. There we go. <laughs> yeah. Everybody just is vulgar. <laughs> and of course his wife is in it and they're just vulgar, obnoxious people. And it's like hyper violent and everybody's characterization is completely wrong. And Morpheus winds up turning out to be a, a bitter, like money hungry, uh, egotistical maniac. Uh, yeah. Oh, please. Like Chris Hardwick or something. Yeah. Well, like, like what he turned Dr. Loomis into. Oh God. That was a mess. 
Yeah, that's freaking Rob Zombie. <laughs> Jeez. You're ready. I like Rob Zombie. <laughs> I've met him. He's a nice guy. I, I've, you know, when I, back in my radio days, he, he saved one of our big shows. Okay. From after we had people dropping out left and right, Courtney Love dropped out because she was an egomaniac and she didn't like the placement she was going to have on the lineup. So she dropped out the day before the damn show and he showed up unannounced. Okay. On his tour bus and did like a five song set. That was awesome and saved the show. So, you know what? I'm not, I don't hate Rob Zombie. I like Rob Zombie. Okay. I was a white zombie fan back in the day. It just, man, no, just that Halloween he stuff. He does seem like dead. a good dude. He is. And it's just, he just made a mess of two Halloween movies, <laughs> but whatever. I mean, look, we're not all, we all can't be perfect. Yeah, uh, exactly. Uh, so, all right. So what do we, anything else we got here before we, uh, get out of here? No, I think uh, I think we hit on everything that we wanted to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we did, and then some, and then some, and, and then, then some. some. Yeah. Well, Sean, dude, thank you again so much for for joining us for this episode. Uh, tell us where folks. Well, tell everyone where folks can find you. Uh, you can find the Sean Geek and Fast Fret podcast over at our home at seanmcginnity.com. That's s e a n m c g i n i t y dot c a or you can just look up the Sean Geek podcast where you can get all your other podcasts. We're everywhere. Awesome. And we're going to throw a, uh, a link to your, uh, to your podcast in our write-up. Uh, so folks can uh, just click the link there and find you. Awesome. Cool. Right. This is fun, guys. Yeah. yeah man, thank you. Absolutely. i do it again. Yeah. Yeah. But <laughs> we'll see. Maybe we'll, uh, See when Ghostbusters comes out. Yeah. Oh, that sounds good. Assuming Aaron doesn't want to hurt someone afterwards. <laughs> we'll we'll see. It might it might you know it might be great. It might be just cute. You know. Yeah. Could be. Sure. Yeah. All <laughs> right. It could be cute. Uh, and uh, anyway, you can find us on thefanboygarage.com. That's where our episodes are and all that other stuff. And, of course, on the social medias, the Facebook, the Instagram, and the Twitter, at the Fanboy Garage. And you can find me on Twitter at RealCLMighty. And you can find me on Twitter at AARonSpeaks. That is A underscore A underscore Ron Speaks. Thank you again so much for listening to episode 150 of the Fanboy Garage. We will catch you guys next week. Take it easy. You're listening to the Fanboy Garage Podcast.